Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, Luke chapter 1. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary said, How my soul praises the the Lord. Lord, I just thank you for, uh, for this day. I thank you for the, for the chance to come together and to have some fun and to honor our moms. And Lord, now we, we want to honor you with the reading and the, the preaching and, and most importantly, the understanding and doing of your word. And I pray God that you would encourage uh, the hearts of moms and, and, uh, and everyone else today. And I pray God that, uh, that you'd help us to hear what it is that, that you brought us here to hear. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, there is quite honestly not a lot uh, found in the Bible about motherhood specifically. No, no list of virtues or qualities from which to preach. Now, there are some things about womanhood in general, but not a ton about motherhood specifically. What we know about biblical motherhood is gleaned from all of the accounts and the stories of and the examples of moms in the Bible, both good and bad. Uh, and probably no uh, example is more prominently displayed uh, than Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, she's one of the only ones that I can actually think of where the narrative of the word follows her with these snapshots of the stages of motherhood uh, from, from birth uh, all the way to the end. So, Because you know motherhood changes. And, and so it, it gives us this picture of Mary in different stages of the life of Jesus. And in the case of Jesus, from, from the manger to the cross. And so that's why today we're going to focus on the example uh, of motherhood that Mary left for us. Now, in order to understand the, the lessons from Mary, I want to remind you of something. In the Bible, the words soul and heart and inner man or inner person can, can be used pretty much interchangeably. It's referring to the core of a person. The place where uh, thoughts originate, the place where decisions are made, and where feelings and emotions are experienced, okay? So as a matter of fact, the definition of a soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions, okay? So anything that changes what you think or how you feel or what you do changes your soul, all right. So what I noticed about Mary as I was looking at her and her life as a mother and the references to her in, in Scripture is that they almost always refer to her heart or her soul. It, it started right there within weeks of the announcement from Gabriel to tell her she was going to be a mother. She ran up to, to meet with her cousin Elizabeth and to talk to her, and, and she said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies praises 
the Lord. And then three more times in particular, in little snippets of snapshots of the life of Jesus and Mary, uh, Scripture shows us uh, these snapshots of not just the life of Jesus, but how mothering Jesus changed and affected Mary's soul. Okay, so today's message is called A Mother's Soul. A mother's soul. And we're going to stay in, in Luke. We're going to go to the next chapter now in Luke chapter 2, verses 17 through 19. Luke 2, 17 through 19. This is the night Jesus was born. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. Now look at this. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. She kept them all in her heart and thought about them often. After the shepherds left, Mary kept these things in her heart and pondered, the King James Version says, pondered them in her heart. This is thought about them often. The same heart that just a few months ago had magnified the Lord for the magnificent gift of motherhood. The same heart who had said yes to the plan of God in her life. The same heart that said, be it unto me according to your will. Lord, whatever you got in mind for me, I'm down for it. Let's do it. She's been a mom for like a minute and her soul is already beginning to change. She's seeing things and feeling things that she'll go back to again and again throughout the course of her life. Motherhood causes you to make decisions that you wouldn't ordinarily make, right? Can some moms say a high-pitched amen to that, right? That's the will part of the soul. It's mind, emotions, but it's also your will. Your will changes when you have kids. Here's what I mean. The life of a young Jewish girl was pretty predictable in that that day and time. She was going to marry pretty young, She was going to have some kids if she was able. She's going to raise the kids, keep the house, love the man, probably stay in the same village she was born in for the rest of her life, unless maybe her husband came from a different village. It was that was pretty much the life of a young woman in her day. She knew what she was going to, what she figured she knew what her life was going to be like. But being a mother to Jesus changed everything for Mary. This little girl from Nazareth spent a couple of years living in Bethlehem, probably because she wanted Jesus to get older before they traveled back to their hometown of Nazareth. And then she spent, she didn't even get to go back to Nazareth at that point. She spent several years in Egypt because Herod the king uh, was trying to kill Jesus. You do what you have to do when you're a mom, right? Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, moms, but Motherhood will require you to change your plans. You have to give up a lot when you have kids. Everything changes. Everything changes. Without your permission, as a matter of fact. Like, your body changes. Your emotions change. Your thoughts, your decisions, your soul changes when you become a mother. It just, it just does. It's hilarious to me, having, having been a public school teacher and having been in youth ministry and just having been in, in ministry for, for 30 years with, with a bunch of different families, it's hilarious to me to watch these carefree, adventure-chasing high school and college girls morph into these doting, safety-conscious helicopter parents. 
in like no time. I don't know, what, what happened to you? Like what in the world? Motherhood happened to her. That's what happened. It, it changes your soul. As soon as that baby starts to grow inside of you, you, you begin to get to know him or her. You remember the kicks and the jumps uh, and the leaps and sometimes just like the right hook that they throw for some reason or other. You, you remember the responses that they have to certain foods and certain sounds. When that baby's born, it's like you already know them, right? Mary was just like every other mother. Uh, she was looking around and just taking it all in. She was, she was taking in all the sights and the sounds and the feelings and the emotions and hiding them in her soul, just like every one of y'all do. Why? Because when she had to stay in Bethlehem for a couple of years unexpectedly, or when they were on the run from an angry tyrant living in a foreign country, those were the things that sustained her. That's what kept her going, the things she hid in her heart. She looked at his little face, and she remembered that she was doing all of this for him. Now, moms, when you lie in bed at night uh, wondering how your life got this crazy, has that ever happened to like one mom or two? Missing, maybe missing the days when you had freedom and money and uh, a clean house and spare time and sleep. Um, open up the treasure box of your soul where you've stored all that stuff about your kid. All those, all those moments, the big ones and the small ones that remind you why it is you became a mom in the first place. So when the, when the stack of sacrifices starts to loom large, when you start thinking about what, what might have been and all the things that you've given up, then just remember that your soul has been changed forever. Remember the things that you've stored in your heart and it'll sustain you through those tough times. And listen, let's not imagine that moms always make the right decisions. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of moms who may have just once or twice made a decision that they looked back and regretted. It, it, it's not a, a pie-in-the-sky kind of deal. It, it, we have to be real. Moms make bad decisions sometimes. So if you're looking for motivation to change your life, if you're looking for motivation to drop that habit or to change your influences or to finish your education or do the hard work of getting healed and whole, then look no further than that child you birthed. That's, that's all the motivation you need. Remember how your soul changed when you became a mom. And ask God for the strength to walk out this thing called motherhood. All right? Let's look at, that's the first snapshot. Let's look at another snapshot later in, in the book of Luke. And we'll start in verse 42, and then we'll jump to 45 through 52 so that you can see the context. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended, they meaning his, his family, his extended family, attended the festival in Jerusalem as, as usual. Now let's jump to verse 45. When they couldn't find Jesus, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three Days later, they finally discovered him at the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and at his answers. 
His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, y'all can infer whatever tone you want to in that. Son, why have you done this to us? Your, fran- your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. And then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. She must have a big heart, right? She stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew, don't miss this, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all the people. You get this picture. See, get this picture of Mary not lying um, serenely and exhausted beside the manger, but frantic and traumatized after searching for her son for three days to find her 12-year-old in Jerusalem. She, she sees him among the teachers and the scholars. Like, what kind of 12-year-old wants to spend more time with these boring, old, stuffy scholars and teachers and scribes? Like, maybe she thought he was going to be a carpenter like Jesus, like Joseph was. That, that's what was expected of him to take up his father's trade. But something about that scene must have captured her in that moment. The, the clarity of Jesus' words where he knew exactly where he was, what he was doing, and why he was doing it. And maybe it was the reaction of the men around him to the, the answers and even the questions that he was asking. But this was significant. And for the second time in this chapter, Luke notes that Mary's soul changed again. That she stored all these things in her heart. That clearly this was the way that Jesus was supposed to go. This must be what God had meant for him. Why he was on the earth. This was how the prophecies were going to be fulfilled. In that moment, her soul was changed again. Her thoughts, her feelings, and her decisions would all change in that day. Now, here's something that I, that I want you to pay attention to and understand. Not every child is born with a prophecy like Jesus was, but every child is born with a plan. Not every child is born with a prophecy, but every child is born with a plan, a God-given plan. Your job as a mom is to help your child discover who God built them to be. Proverbs 22 and 6, it says this. This is in the 21st century King James Version. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. Train up a child. I I don't know how many times I've heard that in my life. It is not the promise of perfect children. So y'all can, moms, you can exhale now. For years, churches have tortured parents with this scripture. This, the book of Proverbs is wisdom literature. It's like, it's grand ideas and life hacks. Okay. These are not hard and fast, unshakable promises of God. There, there's no guaranteed outcomes, even for the most committed of parents. You ever look at godly, God-fearing, wonderful parents, and then their little hellion kid, and you're like, how did that happen? Right? And if you are that kid, then I'm sorry about bringing up painful things. So it, there's no guaranteed outcome. That's just not how that works. And that's not even what that verse means. 
Okay, so let's look at it in the amplified version, which accounts better for the original language and for the context. So this is, this is Proverbs 22 and 6 in the amplified. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And look at this, in keeping with the individual gift or bent of that child. And when he's old, he's not going to depart from it. Mom, that child that you birthed wasn't just a gift from God to you, but also a gift of God to the world. He or she has this set of gifts or this, this bent, this, this God-given, natural-born slant towards things that you have to help them discover and develop and deploy for the kingdom of God to maximize the gifts that God's placed in them for God's glory. And, and here's the kicker. God's particular plan for your kid might not be what you had in mind. Valerie and I can, can tell you the, the precise date and location when we realized that God had probably wired our son, our oldest, Zach, for a career in the military and law enforcement. It was September 15th, 2011. He would be eight years old the next week. Um, how do we know the exact date? Because it was the Saturday after 9-11. And we were sitting at the red light right over here downtown. You know you're in a small town when you say the red light, and everybody knows what you're talking about. The firefighters were out there that day with their, with their, uh, their boots, and they were raising money for the FDNY and NYPD. Um, so Zach asked us what they were doing. And when we told him, he made us turn around and go back home and get his ceramic teddy bear bank that Valerie's great aunt had made for him. And he took that thing with him, and he emptied that whole bank into the fireman's boot that day. And we knew then that God was stirring something in him and stirring something in Valerie's soul. A few weeks later, we, we saw a glimpse of what God was doing in our second child, Morgan. She was just three. She was just a little bitty thing. And despite our efforts, if you all remember that time, the images of 9-11 were everywhere, right? And we tried to shield her from that, but despite our best efforts, see your little three-year-old self still saw some pictures of collapsed and burning and damaged buildings, and uh, she asked why, why we couldn't just put a big Band-Aid on them and, and make, the, fee- make the, the buildings stand and, and make everybody feel better. And, and, and even then... In, in, in her tender age of three, she was a little healer. She wanted to help people. She wanted to make them better. She was a natural little mother even then. And now, 20 years later or whatever it is, she's, she's got twin two-year-olds and she works in the medical field. Why? Because that's how God wired her. Those are the gifts he gave her. She don't want to be an accountant Right? That's not the gifts that he gave her. A few years later, we already had our suspicions about what the future probably looked like for Zach, but he was a teenager, and um, we lay down in, in the bed at night, and, and one night, Valerie and I kept hearing this helicopter fly over our house, and we could hear it leave, and then we could hear it come back, and we're just like, what is that? So we called, and we found out that there was a Maddie's call for uh, an older gentleman in our neighborhood um, who had Alzheimer's and he was missing. 
And so uh, I got Zach up and we joined the search. It was almost 10 o'clock before we got down there and, and we started searching. We just had no, no sign of him anywhere. So it was already after midnight. It was a school night and we were all gathered up in this field uh, all the first responders and the family members and the neighbors, we were all gathered up and we were trying to figure out, you know, what's next. They've been searching for several hours and there's just nothing. So I, I, I told Zach, <clears throat> I think it's about time for us to go. We got to get you back in the bed. And, and um, we, then we heard this GSP, the State Patrol uh, helicopter, radio down to that little operating center, that little base right there, that they had spotted the man's red toboggan. And so I turned to make, make sure Zach had heard um, what they had just said on the radio, and when I turned around, I couldn't find him. Um, and there's kind of a history of me losing Zach, but that's a different story. For <laughs> it ain't the first time I couldn't find that boy. But anyway, I, I looked around to tell him, and he wasn't there. And so I looked around. It's almost one o'clock in the morning, in the middle of a field, and I look. And I'm like, how did I lose my kid? It, with the like, the police department's here. How did I lose the kid? And I looked up, to, and all I saw of him was heels and elbows. He went sprinting into the woods with the first responders to go get this man. And he's right in the middle of them. I don't know if they saw him or not, but he's right, he's right in the middle. Like, he gone. There's no re- reason for me to yell at him. He gone. He's not coming back until that man is coming with him. Uh, and I knew Valerie would kill me. I mean, I meant I didn't want to leave my son in the woods. <laughs> by himself. So me and the other uh, fat, slow, and old first responders (laughs) went sort of waddling and hobbling and wheezing into the woods uh, behind the the set that would actually go and help man. So uh, we like, we we got uh, breathers back here if you need to, you know, take a hit of uh, albuterol or anything. So we, we all running into the woods. And and Zach was right beside him when they found these guys running through the the briars and uh, everywhere. And he helped bring, helped bring the old man out. And we knew then that's how God wired him, that when somebody was in trouble, he was going to run to the trouble. When somebody needed help, he's running to help them. That, that when somebody needed to be defended, he's going to be there. And there was not a whole lot we were going to be able to do about it. That being a soldier and, and being a cop is, is not what his mama had in mind. I promise you. She was thinking of something you know, safer, something closer to home, something that didn't involve people shooting at him and trying to kill him. Um, Corinne, our, our third, is planning to be a travel nurse and fly all over the country and help people. Valerie's plan for Corinne is for her to get a job and to have babies and live close enough so Valley can keep those grandbabies. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Anthony wants to go wherever anesthesiologists go and wherever they're needed. Uh, currently, Haley, our 11-year-old, uh, plans to live with us forever. And, and that terrifies me. Um, so, hey, this, this whole parenthood thing is a, is, it's a deal, man. So how can you let go of what you wanted for your kids? Because there's going to come a time when your path and their path are going to diverge, Right? How, how do you resist the urge of living your dreams through that kid? How do you get okay with your child choosing a path that's hard or that's different than the other little perfect kids you see on Facebook and Instagram? You, you have a really honest conversation with yourself 
and with the Lord as you remember all the things that you've hidden in your heart. He's been preparing you for this the whole time. See, I think God gives moms an increased capacity for storing stuff in their souls. And if you'll let him, and it may take some time, but if you'll let him, God will walk you through the moments of their lives when he was showing you how he had made them. Showing you that there's a plan playing out here and giving you the strength to not just accept that plan, but to help prepare them to carry out that plan. You see, the, the, the strength to train up a child in the way that they should go, not necessarily the way you think they should go, that strength comes from the Lord. And you want to see them using their gifts and their talents and their opportunities that God's given them to find what it is that God has for them. Listen, not, not every boy is going to be a football star. Not every little girl is going to be a cheerleader. Quit worrying about your kid fitting the mold. There is no mold. Every one of these kids is a one-of-a-kind, handcrafted masterpiece of God. So don't let the gang of mean girl moms bully you into trying to change your kid to meet their standard. Mindless conformity never changed the world anyway. You, you'll find the strength to train up your unique child in a mother's soul. It's no coincidence that in the next verse after that scene, uh, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. How did that happen? Well, it wasn't an accident. I believe that Mary and Joseph went back to Nazareth with Jesus and began intentionally helping him prepare for what was ahead. Training him to be a good man, a godly man. Training him in scriptures. Training him to grow in favor with God and man. And you can do the exact same thing with your kids. Now here's the, here's the last little snapshot of Jesus. Also in Luke 2. Jesus' parents, in verse 33, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. This is the day he's being dedicated. Uh, it, it, the uh, eighth day he's being circumcised and dedicated to the Lord. Uh, Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the, mother's, the baby's mother, now, he said lots of stuff about Jesus and just, just lots of blessing. But he said this to Mary specifically. This child is destined to, call men, to cause many in Israel to fall. But he'll be a joy to many others. He's been, set, he's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your very soul. A sword will pierce your very soul. This prophecy was spoken to Mary when Jesus was eight days old, but I want you to picture Mary now 33 years later at the cross. The same soul that had made all those sacrifices, the same soul that had made all those hard decisions, the same soul that had held all those moments in her heart and had pondered them in the wee hours of the morning for the last 30 plus years, that same soul now experienced a pain that she couldn't even describe. It, it, it truly was like Simeon had said. It was a sword 
straight through her own soul, her own heart. Her mind, her emotions were shattered. She was, somehow she was frozen and on fire all at the same time. I can assure you, having been there, that a sword pierced Valerie's soul when we dropped our 18-year off at the hotel uh, when the army was going to come and pick him up the next morning. Uh, wasn't much better for me and Morgan, as I recall. Um, it happened again when he got deployed to Poland. Happened again when he had to miss holidays that he'd never missed before. Happened again when, when he was involved in his first armed robbery. Happened again when we made frantic calls last year at 5 o'clock in the morning after awakening to hear that three law enforcement officers had been shot in Carroll County. It's a sword. And it's maybe a little less dramatic, but it's the same for what Morgan goes through, for what Corinne and Anthony and Haley go through, for all of the kids. It hurts the hearts of mamas to watch their babies suffer and not be able to do anything about it. The only comfort for Valerie, the only comfort for you, mom, is knowing that they're doing what God built them to do. Mary stood there at the cross knowing that this is what Jesus came for. She, she understood it. That it was his God-given destiny. We, we have to watch our kids go through things that we wish we could take away. But sometimes God has them right where he wants them, even in the painful places. Some lessons can only be learned the hard way, unfortunately. So what do you do, Mom? Will you be like Mary? You just be there. You be there. In the midst of the pain and the suffering and the torture, she wasn't fighting the guards and the soldiers to get to the cross to take him down. She, she wasn't, by all accounts, she wasn't cursing the Sanhedrin for sentencing him to death. She was simply there for her boy on the day that he needed somebody the most. By the time it was all over, a spear would pierce the side of Jesus, but a sword had already done its work on Mary's soul. The pain of motherhood is not always a call to words and to deeds because sometimes it's not appropriate to do or say anything. The pain should drive you to your knees in prayer. You want words and deeds? Prayer is action. It's warfare. You want to beat somebody up? Beat up the devil in prayer. You want to curse somebody? Curse the devil in prayer. It's always the best thing you can do, but sometimes, Mom, it's the only thing you can do. Now, you've probably noticed this, but your kids reach a certain age or stage when they don't really want you to do or say anything. Have y'all noticed that? Yeah. Let me tell you a secret. There will never be a time when they don't need your persistent prayers, your consistent presence, and your silent support. You don't have to talk. Just be there. Just be there. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Corey, come on, play something, man. Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. Mom, I just want to ask you today, what's, what's in your heart? 
What's in your heart? What hopes and dreams and fears and memories do you have stored up? You have a mother's soul. Are you letting, are you letting those things teach you how to help your kids find God's plan for them? Or are you consumed with the, plan, with the pain that they may be experiencing? Listen, there's no judgment here. Uh, we, we, can, we can be real. We can be honest. This kid raising stuff is hard. All right? But there is healing for your heart and strength for your soul. And it's found in Jesus. Lay your kids on the altar today. Lay them on the altar. But more than that, mom, lay yourself on the altar beside them. You play a vital role in developing the kingdom of God, not just in yourself, but in your kids. Make sure that your mother's soul is a healthy soul today. Y'all stand with me, please. Valerie's back there keeping the nursery, if you're wondering where she is. Morgan's with her. Um, I I always want to make sure that you know where she is. She didn't abandon me on Mother's Day. She's back there taking care of your kids and glad to do it. Um, Mom, thank you for for being here today. And I I pray that God is is working in your heart to, to heal and maybe to challenge, maybe to gently nudge you in the direction that you need to go. I, I just want to, I want to do this just right where you are instead of, uh, of doing an altar call today. I'd just like to pray a prayer of blessing over the moms. Would that be okay? And, but I'd like, to, I'd like you to spend a little time also talking with him about the things that you know specifically that, that he's speaking to you about. Okay? Because we're all in different stages. It, it's, there's no easy stage of motherhood. Right? There, it's all different. It's hard, but it's different hard. So I, I just want you to pray through whatever situation you're in. And then I'd just like to pray a prayer of blessing over you guys, okay? Father, we just thank you. I thank you that your word applies to every, uh, every role and every stage and season of our lives. And Lord, I pray that your word would begin to do its work, penetrate the hearts and the minds of the moms that are gathered in this place today. Lord, would you minister to that mom that is just desperate right now, who just is not sure how to find the strength uh, mentally and emotionally and physically to keep going because of the drain uh, of, of the challenge of motherhood. Lord, would you encourage her today? Lord, for uh, the parent of older kids and teenagers that you thought you understood them. You thought you had a good relationship. And like they woke up one day and hated you. I pray, Lord, that you would keep those lines of communication open. Help them, Lord, to, to change, to pivot, and make, make a different relationship. Carve a different relationship out of what they thought they knew. And help prepare them for the future. God, I pray for the parents of grown kids. Kids who do things that... They wish they wouldn't do and make decisions that they wish they wouldn't make. Lord, I pray that you'd help them to to be the silent prayer partner, to be that constant encourager, and help them to know how to navigate the, the, the new season of parenthood that they might be in. 
Lord, I just pray a prayer of blessing over every parent, every mom here today, Lord, specifically. I pray that you would bind up their wounds. I pray that you would give them strength, Lord, that they'd be steel wrapped in velvet, that they would would know exactly what it is that they're supposed to do. Lord, they'd have the courage and the strength to do it. And Lord, the the strength of character to know when, when they need to let go. Lord, know when to pull them close, know when to push them out, know when to let them go. God, I just, I just pray for wisdom that, that is beyond their years and beyond their experience and maybe even beyond their, their own nature and emotions in that moment. God, help them to be the godly mothers that they need to be to impact not just their children but your kingdom. Lord, I just pray a blessing of rest and of peace and of courage on them today. May they not just enjoy this day, but Lord, every day as they walk in obedience to your word and to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.